Thank you for tuning into Mormon Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Rio. I enjoy this podcast very much. I enjoy providing for you an opportunity to talk deeply about gospel issues, examining deeper the history of the church, and helping you and me through our faith transition in this faith journey. But please, feel free to give me feedback as well. Please email me today at realmormon at gmail.com. R-E-E-L-M-O-R-M-O-N at gmail.com. Share your thoughts, suggestions, questions you have, anything we can do to make the podcast better. Because in the end of the day, this podcast is both about you and me. God bless you. And now on to what you've been waiting to hear. Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion. I'm your host, Bill Real. Today I want to talk a little bit about how I approach missionary work. I've had uh, listeners to the podcast ask me uh, at various times if I would address this issue. And uh, and I put it off for a while, but finally I got a message the other day from another listener who just really wanted to know how I handle missionary work now that my faith has been reconstructed. I I certainly have to say it's different... I don't go into a home with the missionaries and, and say the same things I used to or teach the same things that I used to. That certainly, uh, certainly is not the case. But I certainly still do missionary work. So let me talk for a moment about what I would not do and then we can talk about what I would do. I would not, so one of the things that's always bothered me once my faith was reconstructed. I even got really uncomfortable with this as I was serving as a bishop, even before my faith crisis. But often as as a church, when we go into a couple's home, they're a boyfriend, they're a girlfriend, they've only been together for a few months living together. And we go into their home, we teach them the gospel, and they they begin to kind of accept it and, and are agreeing to a baptismal date. We then ask this boyfriend-girlfriend to get married or to split up. And the dynamics of their relationship are such that I, I think compelling a couple who's young, who's, who's moved in together to get married for a religion that they know so little about is something I just, I could no longer do. It's not that the law of chastity is bad. I certainly have a testimony and believe in the law of chastity. But my concern is that we're taking this, this man and this woman, Again, they're, they're a young couple, they're living together, yes, they're breaking the law of chastity, but then in order to join this church that they're just starting to learn about and, and certainly liking and agreeing to be baptized, but just beginning to kind of dip their feet in the water of this religion, they, they're compelled to get married, they join the church, and then, you know, 50% of them, if not more, are within a couple of weeks falling away. Just, totally leaving. And I'm guessing that of those who are convert baptisms that are taught by the missionaries who become immediately active, I wouldn't be surprised if that was much higher than 50%. But I'm going to say it's at least got to be 50. So now what? Now we have these this boy and this girl who are married. They no longer in, are dedicated to the church. They've left it. And, and now you've changed their entire relationship. And I would guess that the divorce rate among couples who are compelled by the church to get married, who immediately go inactive, is got to be much higher than the average divorce rate. It just has to be. And and again, I'm throwing out just, you know, what I see, and there's no studies there. And so certainly if someone wants to come forward and say, hey, there's data to, to prove you wrong, please, 
but I gotta believe it's much higher. And so no, I just don't compel people to get married to join the church unless they're absolutely, I can tell that they, it's clicked. They've got it. And I've seen that happen as well. No, so number two, I would not use any level of compulsion to have someone join the church. I wouldn't, I just wouldn't. And, and I think a lot of times, whether it's missionaries or whether it's member missionaries in their home with the missionaries, often compulsion is a component of, of what we're doing. Not this, you know, grab them by the ear and force them to go to church, but this constant reiterating what they should do and doing it kind of like a mother hen type of attitude. I just wouldn't do that. Uh, num- number three is I wouldn't use salvation as the carrot on the stick. So part of what our missionaries teach is that if you want to get back to our Father in Heaven, you have to join the church. You have to receive these ordinances. And so you need to join the church. You, you have to. In and it may not be said exactly like that. It's probably said with a thousand more words in a hundred different ways. But the idea is that salvation is used as the end-all, be-all of why you need to join the church. And the reason I wouldn't use salvation is because I don't think being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the here and now has any impact on the percentage of God's children who make it back to him. In other words, the church offers no salvific advantage for folks who are members of the church in this life. Rather, the church provides saving ordinances to all of God's children who God is working with each and every one of them in his own way. So the advantage of being a Mormon to me in the in this earthly life is not salvific. Now, I certainly feel like the ordinances are saving ordinances that while all will have them done on their behalf or will do them themselves, that an acceptance of those covenants does have an impact on our salvation. I absolutely believe that. I just don't believe it's necessary to join the church in the here and now. And here's why. 0.2% of God's children are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints at this present moment based on all those who are on the earth right this moment. Now, we also know that lots of people have come and gone who were not members of the church that make that percentage even lower. But if we just deal with the human population of 8 billion and the LDS population of 15 million, 0.2%, and I'll break it down even further, two-thirds of that 0.2% are inactive. They're not even going to church. They s- and then of the of the one-third of that 0.2% who is going to church, so few, you know, even even a smaller number of them have uh, have been to the temple and gotten their endowments. And, and even a lesser number have been sealed. And even a lesser number carry a current temple recommend. And so when you start saying, man, what is, what is righteousness? What is salvation based on what we've culturally been taught? And so few people on the earth are taking advantage of that. And not even taking advantage. They're just not aware. They don't even know. They don't even got a clue. They don't even know it's there. And they're just not receiving those things. And since I know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Because the DNC says, whosoever repenteth and cometh unto me is of my church. And because God said, this is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man, I simply see Heavenly Father working with all of his children, that the church is a wonderful vehicle to help people. 
but it is not going to offer a statistical advantage of salvation. I just can't make that work in my head. I just can't see this God who just loves his Mormon children just so much more than the rest of the world. You're just my favorite little kids. I just love you guys. I just don't buy it. So those are the things that I I would not do. I also would no longer share the gospel the way the rest of the culture does. I kind of mentioned that. I, I see missionaries who are just so dead set. We've just got to get these people in. I, I feel awful for them because they're, they're just not keeping commitments. They're just not making an effort. They just don't seem interested. And I just feel so bad about, I would just let all that go. All the feeling of remorse for people who don't join the church, all the trying to make them feel guilty for not joining, all that would end. But again, I still see blessings in the church. So I have a testimony that the church is the true and living church. It is an authorized vehicle of our Father in Heaven designed to carry out a specific part of His plan. That part being to offer the saving ordinances to His children. And in order to do that, Heavenly Father has given this institution certain keys in order to officiate in that. But that doesn't mean that they play the entire part. Terrell Givens once talked about, uh, on a Mormon Stories interview, this idea of the the orchestra, and it was a talk from Joseph B. Worthen that uh, John DeLynn and Terrell were borrowing from. And I think actually John starts off this part of the conversation talking about, you know, I just have to believe that the church is just one piece of the puzzle playing its part, and that God is using lots of other instruments to accomplish his work. And while the church doesn't really acknowledge or validate the other instruments in the orchestra, that the only way it logically works when you think it through is that the church is only one instrument in the orchestra. Now, it's an important instrument, and it plays a vital role. And it certainly leaves room for us to say it is the true and living church, living in the sense that it uh, welcomes revelation or at least acknowledges that revelation exists and that revelation can be a game changer. And true, not in the sense that it has all truth, not in the sense that we don't screw a whole lot of things up, but true in the sense that we have the fullness of the gospel. Now, what does that mean? What that means to me is that we have the saving ordinances correct in our church and that we teach an emphasis on the principles as well, faith and repentance. And that the combination of all of that gives us the fullness of the gospel. Now the fullness of the gospel is not any of these tangents or appendages. So let me, let me talk about what I, what I would do. So here's what I would do. I would have no problem going into a home with the missionaries and as they're teaching the discussion, and, and frankly I would be comfortable disagreeing with them at points and saying, you know, the missionaries, I know the missionaries phrased it like this. Let me, let me tell you what that means to me. I would do that. No problem. But here's some specific things I would do. I would absolutely share the Book of Mormon. To me, the Book of Mormon has changed my life. Whether it is historical or not, it is scripture to my soul. It, it has helped me personally have the mighty change in my life. The Book of Mormon is true. Now, true can mean lots of things. And I'm not saying the Book of Mormon is not historical. I'm just saying it no longer matters. The Book of Mormon to me is life-changing. I think anyone in this world who took the Book of Mormon seriously, studied its pages, and tried to adapt principles into its life 
into, into their life from it are going to be blessed by it. And so I have no problem sharing the Book of Mormon. It's changed my life, and I believe it would change anybody else's who takes it seriously. Number two, we all need community. We all need family, extended family. We all need an opportunity to to be comforted and to be supported by others. And I think the church offers, I mean, to me, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ in terms of the church is that this church, I think more so than other churches, provides this kind of support community. And, and again, I'm not anti-Catholic, but I had, I have lots of friends who are Catholic. And as I look at the Catholic church, they, they come together, they meet for an hour for mass, and then they leave. And I think the way the Catholic culture is set up, there is not as much of a connection from member to member. There's less likelihood that you'll know most of the members' names. There's less likelihood that you're spending time during the week outside of church together. And again, our church culture has lots of flaws as well. So please, any Catholics out there, do not think for a moment I'm, I'm criticizing you as a whole. I'm just realizing that all religions have parts that can be, that can be looked at and be, yeah, it's just not working quite as well as another faith. So I think Mormonism provides this kind of awesome community. And so I would have no problem going into someone's home. And as I share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, also testifying that this community that teaches this gospel is is going to be beneficial to you. Number three, well, I talked about this idea of we each need community. We also need opportunities to serve. And I don't see any church out there that provides every member a responsibility, something to do. And to me, callings in the church are just such a beautiful part of how it's been set up, truly inspired. To have a lay ministry and everybody have a have an opportunity to have a part in that responsibility, to have people give, have chances to give sermons and talks and teach when they would have been not given any kind of opportunity like that out in the world. I find that to be beautiful. And so this chance to serve and this chance to, to have a calling and this chance to, to grow and to be, become better at things than what you are currently, because I truly believe this whole life is about becoming like Christ. I would have no problem going into the home and teaching that and saying, look, man, this church is going to give you opportunities to serve, chances to grow, chances to progress, and this is important. Number four, we each need to make sacrifices and we need to be challenged. And I think in some ways, while the church provides an awesome support group to help you in those challenges, if you're willing to put uh, put the rubber to the road, I don't think there's any other church out there that can really give you the challenges and sacrifices that Mormonism does. Now, maybe we can sit up here and argue and say, yeah, well, maybe other churches do like Mormon fundamentalists because living polygamy is dang tough. Maybe, whatever, that's fine. But I just think the idea of Mormonism, of having callings, of being in a ward geographically with people that you may absolutely detest, of having to butt heads with personalities that that you're going to be, in a sense, because of the culture, be around more often than another church would have you. I just think is crucial to us kind of sacrificing ourselves and becoming more like God. The the last reason, and I think the most important reason, that I would I would have no problem going with the missionaries and teaching, but again would do it a different way, is that I firmly believe families are together forever. I believe in that principle. I, pol- I believe in that doctrine. And if families are together forever, we need a community that treats and teaches families that they are forever. And helps us to build those bonds. 
I want to finish by saying three more things, which is that I love the missionaries who taught me, Elder Parker and Elder Walters. I love them. I'm so grateful that they took time out of their life to serve our Father in Heaven and to teach me the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for the missionaries who, when I joined as an older teenager, who were there to to support me, and I went out with them on you know, each of them and, and knocked on doors and talked with them about what church was like and delved into deep gospel subjects. I just, I love the missionaries. Second, I have a hope that my kids will serve missions, that they will take time out of their life to go and serve the Lord. I, uh, I really hope that my children will con- take, consider this option and, and I really hope they serve. I think missions do so much good for you when you go in with the right attitude and understanding of the gospel. Number three, I didn't serve a mission. And as I look back on my life, it's, it's the one thing I absolutely truly regret not doing. I wish I'd served. If I could go back in time and everything I know now, know then, I would still serve a mission. And so in that regard, I hope you'd understand that I love missionaries and I think missionaries are important and I wish I was one. And my wife and I both, I think, look forward to going on a mission when we, we get older. Um, the only reason I hesitated there was because my wife doesn't want to do a proselyting mission. She wants to do some kind of in the temple or some kind of service mission. Whereas I would uh, much rather get out there and knock on doors and kind of redeem myself for not going when I was 17. It's my prayer that each of us will take time to think these thoughts over and be a little less hesitant, if you are, to going out and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go with the missionaries. Certainly, if you feel a need to to disagree slightly with them or to rephrase what they're saying, do it. But I think there's lots of things that we can bear testimony of if you're trying to lead with faith. May the Lord warm your shoulders. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.